Hello, everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th, when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections, and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. It's Friday, April the 20th, and you're very welcome to this special Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linnan, and with me here is our political editor, Pat Leahy, to discuss the results of today's Ipsos MRBI poll for the Irish Times on voting intentions in the referendum, which takes place on May 25th on the proposal to repeal the Eighth Amendment to the Constitution. You may have heard of it. A lot of people waiting for these numbers, Pat. What's the standing in the polls? This is the first poll that we've done uh, on the subject since January. Um, at that time, showed a fairly strong lead for the repeal side, though that was really before any intensive campaigning had begun. So this morning's numbers allow us to judge the impact of the campaigning so far on it. And what we see is that in January, it was 56% of uh, voters said they would back repeal, 29% were against and 15% undecided. That, once you stripped out the undecideds and the non-voters out of that, it gave you a 65-35 lead for the repeal side. This morning's numbers show some movement away from the repeal side. So that 56% in January has fallen to 47% today. But a crucial point, I think, is that that support has not gone to uh, the retain side of the argument. In fact, retain support falls marginally by a point today. Don't knows are up to 20% and there's about 4% of people say that they won't vote or refused to answer. So strip out the likely non-voters and those who haven't decided or say they haven't decided yet and you get 63% in favour, 37% against. That lead is more or less of the same order amongst voters that declare a preference as it was in January. And notwithstanding the fall back in the headline repeal support, I think it's a strong poll for the repeal side this morning. So you don't think that people on the repeal side will look at this and say, oh gosh, in the space of really, you know, a couple of months or, or, or a few weeks, we've lost you know, 10% of the electorate. Oh, I wouldn't dream of trying to read what the people on the repeal side uh, would do. I'll just try I mean, and it, give it is, it, my... is, it is a significant drop in the in the overall global figures, including the don't knows, which you described. It is interesting to hear when you, yes, when but you strip out those don't knows. It's, it's quite a different Okay, picture. so there's an important distinction. It's not the electorate that will decide this. It's the voters that will turn up on the day. They're the people who will decide it. And that's always a challenge for pollsters to figure out who's going to uh, who's going to turn out on the day. And there are some people who genuinely haven't made up their minds, but most people who will turn up express a preference when they're asked by pollsters. There's an old saying in polling, don't knows, don't vote. That's not entirely true, especially in something like this, but it is, uh, uh, but it, it does largely hold true. And within the inexactitudes and with all having entered all the caveats that we need to do when looking at, uh, when looking at political, 
political polling. It's still the best indication we have. And I think the top line numbers that we see here today, and even more so when we delve into the entrails of the poll a bit, I think it shows a pretty strong repeal position. That is not to say that that position could not change. Of course it could change and we've seen referendum campaigns switch, some of them very abruptly in the closing days of the campaign. But I don't see the evidence that that, that the conditions are in place for that sort of a swing today. And, and we'll, we'll come to why that might be in a moment. But just before we leave it, just that, that issue of the increase in, in the number of people who either don't know or refuse to answer or say they don't vote. That's something which has happened since January Presumably that's in reaction to the fact that it's now a much more concrete proposition, including the legislation which is proposed to take place after the referendum. And there is the sort of discomfort which we've heard articulated by politicians such as Simon Coveney around that, for example. Yeah, to be honest, uh, I would have been very surprised had there been no tightening of this race as be- people become more engaged, educate themselves with the issues and uh, and so forth. You would expect... Uh, you would expect some tightening to have occurred. I think what would really worry the repeal side would be if there had been a big move towards uh, towards the retained side. And we don't see the evidence uh, for that happening today. And albeit that we are a good way out from the campaign, uh, from, from polling day, it's five weeks today, uh, there's no sign of that happening at all uh, at this stage and were there to be a turnaround likely then I think you would be seeing some signs of it at this stage. Again that's not to say that it's impossible Uh, of, of course it is possible but we don't see any sign of it happening yet. We have seen big turnarounds in previous referendums, in some previous referendums but they've tended not to be on these sort of very contentious issues on which people do tend to have strong views. They've tended to be on issues which were rather abstruse and the electorate decided to give the government a kicking rather than actually dealing with the issue at hand. Yeah, I think that's correct. So if you look at the sort of referendums that turned around late, you know, the Nice the Nice Treaty, the Lisbon Treaty, the Oroctus Inquiries, those sort of, those are even, you know, big late swings that you saw on uh, things like the, the, uh, the children's rights referendum. I, I think the conditions are, are slightly different for those uh, than they are for the present campaign. This is something that has been a matter of public debate uh, for quite some time. It's not an issue that people are coming to anew. Uh, I think many people will be familiar with it. And, you know, the sort of the sort of dynamic that you saw in previous campaigns where people didn't really know what the referendum was about, didn't really know it was on and only tuned in late and then swung uh, swung in an unexpected way. I don't see the conditions for that happening in this. And there's some evidence to bear out uh, to bear that out in today's polls. So, you know, people, we asked them how fixed they were mm. in their positions. And there's very strong evidence uh, to suggest that I think it's more than 50% of, uh, of repeal supporters, 53%, I think, say that they are definitely not going to change. No question of them changing. Another 25-odd percent say that they are very, very unlikely to change their, uh, change their position. So the amount of available votes to turn 
in the last few weeks of the campaign is, on the evidence of today's numbers, quite small. And that makes it a steeper hill again to climb uh, for and, the retained side. And it should side. be pointed out that the retained side have equal levels of commitment to that position Absolutely. on their side. In, in fact, the levels of commitment are slightly higher on the retained side than they are on the repeal side. But it is the retained side that needs things to change. They're the ones that look that are looking for a substantial change in the campaign dynamics. And those sort of numbers indicating a great loyalty to the repeal side amongst many of its voters are the sort of things that make that more difficult. Another uh, another aspect of that, another piece of evidence for that is uh, the extent to which people feel informed about the government's proposal, the 12 weeks uh, proposal which will follow a referendum if it is passed, that is uh, legislation for uh, abortion on request up to 12 weeks. Now many retainers would say that you know, once people find out about this, that they will uh, they will instinctively recoil from uh, uh, from the government position, from the repeal position. That may be true of some of them, but the vast majority of repeal voters say that they're aware of this and comfortable with it. Eighty five percent of people are aware of it. One chink of light for the retainers in those uh, in those numbers is that thirty percent of repeal voters say that they think that this may go too far. Even though they are still declared retain, uh, repeal voters, they think that the 12 weeks may go too far. But that is a relatively small cohort of voters that the retain uh, campaign needs to target and it needs to get nearly all of them. And what about the demographic divides underlying this? We hear about a generational divide, an urban-rural divide. Uh, how does this play out across the supporters of different political parties? The most stark, the starkest divide is along demographic lines. So uh, older voters, those over 65, are much more likely to be... Almost 50% no. uh, ...to be against the proposal. Younger voters, the youngest voters, 18 to 24, 24 to 30, uh, 25 to 34, those people whom you and I would regard as being quite young, Hugh. Uh, Very young. they, um, uh, they're overwhelmingly uh, in, in favour of it. Uh, otherwise, the sort of divisions that you would expect, that you, that you would tend to expect on this, rural voters, much le- uh, significantly less likely to be repealers, um, voters in Dublin, more likely to be repealers, uh, better off voters, significantly more likely uh, to be repealers, and the, 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 the obvious converse of those figures as well with relation what about Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, both of which have, you know, quite deep, deep divisions in their parliamentary parties? Divisions within those parties. Yeah, um, uh, when, when you look at party support, uh, it's clear that Fianna Fáil is the least repealy party, uh, if, we can, uh, if we can put it like that. So um, 39% of Fianna Fáil supporters uh, backing repeal, that's against 50% of Fianna Gael supporters, 61% of Labour supporters, 54% of Sinn Féin supporters. But even with Fianna Fáil, that 39% who are in favour uh, is greater than the number of Fianna Fáil voters, the proportion of Fianna Fáil voters that, uh, that say they will vote to keep the Eighth Amendment. So 37% of Fianna Fáil voters say they will vote uh, to keep the Eighth Amendment. So 
you know, I mean, it was something of a bombshell within Fianna Fáil when Micheál Martin announced his change of position, said he would vote for repeal, said he would vote for uh, 12 weeks. And there was all sorts of mutterings within the parliamentary party uh, about um, about a rebellion on this. And it's clear from the way they voted that there's the majority of the Fianna, uh, Fianna Fáil parliamentary party are significantly against repeal. But that is not reflected in the party supporters, mm. um, uh, which, as I say, there is a... a, a a very slight plurality in favour of uh, in favour of and, and there's the harsh, harsh political reality, isn't there? That you know, Michal Martin, who I'm sure made this, that decision on the you know on on the basis of his own personal ethic and moral considerations, but you're looking at Dublin, where Fianna Fáil needs to make gains. You're looking at young voters, where Fianna Fáil needs to get more purchase. It's the right place to be politically. Well, Fianna Fáil is, you know, going by, uh, you know, going by by this and other measurements is probably the most conservative of the parties. And it is uh, where where the campaign to retain the Eighth Amendment is strongest. So Fine Gael tend, or Fianna Fáil rather tends to be strongest as well amongst rural voters, amongst older voters. And Mial Martin wants to grow. He needs to grow, as you say, in those areas, on those demographics, urban voters, young voters and so forth, uh, that are uh, that are more inclined towards uh, more inclined towards repeal. So a substantial lead uh, still for repeal, albeit very slightly narrowed, if you if you exclude the don't knows. There are two issues really to play for here, aren't there? One is a winning of the co- of the middle ground, which according to what you've said here, it looks, it looks increasingly difficult for, for the retained side. And the other one, I suppose, is an enthusiasm and a mobilisation question as well, because there's always a question with referendums in Ireland, <coughs> and indeed in most countries, is what turnout is and the, the impact that low turnout can have on the ultimate result. That's absolutely right. To take the, the second point first, um, I mean, it's a slightly facile to say that, you know, turnout is really important uh, uh, on, on, on the day, of course it is, but it's an it's a complication when it comes to trying to figure out what's going on in referendum campaigns and what you know the likely dynamics on uh, on, on polling day will be because turnout can vary so significantly from referendum to referendum. Uh, you know, if you look at the last dozen or so referendums in Ireland, you see turnout going from the 30s up to the 60s, the, the high 60s, whereas by contrast in the general election, you can generally assume that turnout will be in the, you know, the low to mid occasionally to high 60s. So uh, so that is one point that is uh, that is important. Um, I think you see committed voters on both sides. You see a high degree of commitment on both sides. Those core voters uh, will turn out. At the same time, it's important that both campaigns, for, uh, for their own purposes, uh, sufficiently energise their base to come out. And I think there's been a slight difference in the two campaigns thus, thus far. I think the repeal campaign has been more pitched, or certainly in recent weeks has been more pitched towards trying to win over and secure that uh, that middle ground. Whereas certainly the phase of uh, the retain campaign so far has been very much uh, towards energising their base. I mean, I think the general rule of thumb is that if the pro-life anti-abortion campaigners are talking about killing babies, uh, then they're not talking to the middle ground. And a lot of their 
postering, a lot of their messaging in recent weeks has been directed, I think, at that base. That's why I would expect to pivot from the retain campaign in the coming weeks to target those soft repeal middle ground voters, those people who the poll says today are there that are in favour of liberalising Ireland's abortion laws, but they're a bit unsure and some of them very unsure about the 12 weeks proposal. That's where the game will be for, uh, you know, the business end of so the campaign. So the focus will be, will as we heard actually from John McGurk in our, in our last politics podcast, the focus will be on the legislation. In other words, that the legislation goes too far and the legislation is in, it, the proposed legislation will introduce an unacceptably liberal abortion regime in Ireland. Absolutely. That's, that's where the game is now. I think that's where the retain campaign will go aggressively far in its, uh, in, in the remaining weeks. And that's the those are the voters that the repealers need to hold on to if they're to maintain this lead. Pat, thanks for coming in today. And that is it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks to Pat for coming in. Thanks to our producer, Declan Conlon, for doing all the work. And remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast provider might be. You can also find us at irishtimes.com slash podcasts. Your views are very welcome. And you can get me at hlinehan at irishtimes.com on email or you can easily find me on Twitter. But until the next time, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening.